Welcome to Strictly Business, a podcast where we talk with some of the brightest minds working in the media business today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein with Variety, and this is a special episode, part of a multimedia series sponsored by Viacom CBS that we're calling Making Addressable Accessible. It's a multi-part exploration of a technology known as addressable TV, an innovation in how marketers are able to target the right audiences with the right messages. Addressable TV is fast becoming a part of the discussion in the upfront marketplace, which is why I'm excited to dig into its implications for advertising with my guests, Seema Patel, Vice President of Partnership Development at Viacom CBS, and Tim Myers, GM of Strategic Partnerships and Products at Dish Media. Their collaboration in the space is just one of the many facets we'll be exploring in this series, so look for more upcoming dates from us in July and August for future webinar editions of Making Addressable Accessible. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Welcome back to the Strictly Business Podcast. 
I'm looking forward to getting into what Addressable TV is all about today with my guests Seema Patel and Tim Myers. Thanks to both of you for taking part in this conversation. Thanks for having us. Yep, thanks for having us. So first, I just want to get very basic for the uninitiated. Let's spend some time just defining what addressable TV is. You know, the 101 definition. Who wants to take that? I'll take it. Go ahead. Uh, Tim, do you want to go or should I? No, I'll let you and I'll add some color. How's that? That's perfect. So hopefully you'll like my example. Um, it's it's all about personalizing ads. Uh, you know, addressable is the ability to serve relevant ads to consumers regardless of what or when they are watching. So if Tim and I are both dish customers and we're both watching the daily show, and let's say we're both in the market for an auto, I, as a mom with two kids who I'm constantly driving around, might get an ad for an SUV and Tim, whose kids are older and have left the nest, might get an ad for a sports car. Now, more broadly speaking, the goal of addressable advertising is really to use technology and data to deliver the best advertising experience for our clients and our viewers. And so this is important for two key reasons. For viewers, addressable targeting provides the most relevant and engaging ad experience, which represents a valuable exchange of their time and attention for our premium content. And for advertisers and agencies, the best ad experience is not only one that's the most relevant, uh, engaging, and effective, but it's also one that provides scale and operational efficiency and transactional ease. Got it. And I would just add, you know, some other benefits too. The, the fundamental technology here is a shift from what we would traditionally call a spot-based approach, where an ad is inserted into a particular piece of programming, a, a TV show at a very specific time, and then it's broadcast out to everybody who's watching that show at that time. With the uh, addressable technology that we're using, we're switching over to a, what I would call an impression-based model, more similar to how it works in a digital environment where an ad is served uniquely to the household or the device that is watching the content and not the entire population. And that allows those different ads to be essentially presented to different viewers. That has other benefits above just targeting. Um, for instance, it does allow an advertiser to find the viewer whenever and wherever they're watching. And that allows them to uh, get in front of more viewers. And it also allows them to control how often a viewer will see that ad, which we would call control of both reach and frequency. So those are also big benefits of this technology. So it's clear to me how what you're doing with addressable differs from sort of the traditional spray and pray approach, as they used to say in, in, in linear television. But this also isn't a new marketplace. I've been hearing about addressable TV now for nearly a decade. I believe uh, eMarketer recently estimated this is sort of like a, a $3.4 billion business. So where are we in the evolution of addressable TV? Where, where, where are we at a place where this is finally ready to sort of make the leap into being a more accepted technology used in the business? Yeah, we're certainly getting there. I mean, look, satellite providers like Dish and DirecTV were the first to enable addressability 
um, and others, other cable operators and MVPs have followed. Um, you know, in a former life, I actually helped launch Live Linear Addressable at DirecTV back in 2012. And oh. It was a coveted capability that at the time was only available to MVPD sales channels. And more recently, thanks to continued partnership and collaboration, programmers have collaborated with MVPDs, tech partners, data vendors to enable our own avails to offer our clients, you know, our premium video inventory that is addressable, capable. So I think we're seeing this evolution of just cross-organizational collaboration um, that's allowing and opening up the road to broader scale of addressability. Yeah, and I, and I would just add, I think this milestone that we're beginning to hit right now where uh, programmers like Viacom are starting to offer these capabilities in their inventory, which is the, you know, the bulk of the available TV advertising inventory in the marketplace is, is extremely important. Um, over the past eight or so years, um, as DISH has been selling addressable uh, at some version of scale, and I say at some version, uh, because as, as you mentioned, it's it's been sort of this uh, new technology that's been growing and and has quietly uh, been you know growing at good rates sort of behind the scenes, but it it's always carried with it a perception that um, it's in the what we call the local inventory, the inventory controlled by the distributor. And because of that, it's broken up by different distributors, which could mean it has some geographic components where you can't necessarily uh, execute for all subscribers, uh, all viewers across the entire nation. I mean, yes, it's nice dish and DirecTV are national products and we can get you exposure, but in certain markets where let's say Comcast is the dominant video provider, right? You, you would still, be missing a number of, of folks there. So it, it, it's something that because it was tied into that sort of distributor controlled inventory, it, it just was perceived as not really having scale and therefore it would end up in um, budgets that were not the mainstream budgets. And, and because of that, there were all, you know, there's also variability. There's more variability in those budgets. Um, and so now, as I said, hitting these milestones where uh, programmers will be bringing that inventory in, where this will become a, really just a, another mainstream TV ad product, that, that's, that's going to really, I think, take addressable to the next level. So I'm getting a feel for the Viacom CBS and, and DISH perspectives, and we're certainly going to dig into how you guys relate to each other in, in making addressable TV happen further into this conversation. But I think we also got to address the other major party in this room, which is the media buying community, which, you know, for you know the knock on Madison Avenue, it, it, it's slow to move, it's slow to embrace change. Addressable TV sounds like a very significant change. So I know you guys and, and many other companies recently commissioned a, a survey from Forrester to gauge the important perspectives of the media buyer and community. What did you learn about what addressable TV has been for that critical component of the industry? I think the community is really starting to embrace it and see value in it. Um, you know, some of the findings that came out of the study 
52% of media buyers that were surveyed said their organizations are focused on using addressable TV to improve the effectiveness of their TV campaign targeting. 44% said that delivering more personalized and relevant ads for their customers is one of the most important outcomes for addressable TV buys. So I, you know, I think they are really coming around. And, and in addition, you know, that study came out in March. We're currently in, in the thick of our upfront conversations and we're, we're seeing those stats come to life where we've had a lot of encouraging and positive discussions around addressable in general. Got it. Um, but were there areas, Tim, where you felt, or sorry, the media buyers, you, you started to get a sense from them of, well, this is a pain point. This is something we need to fix in order to get more of an embrace for Madison Avenue of addressable TV. Yes. I mean, those media companies said, you know, work to promote simplicity, expand available addressable TV inventory. So again, going back to the point I was raising earlier where addressable was a bit fragmented, right? If you wanted to uh, purchase a campaign that was going to reach as many possible viewers, uh, you would have to make a purchase from Dish, you would have to make a purchase from DirecTV, you would have to make a purchase from uh, Comcast or their representative ampersand. And, you know, each of those companies may have slightly different ways they do things, right? And slightly different data partners and slightly different measurement capabilities. And someone has to stitch all that together, right? And, and so that, that complexity uh, was really, was really a, a, a barrier. And so media companies are saying, hey, we need you to define and promote a single measurement standard, for instance. We need interoperability uh, across partners and technologies. And we need you to enable the buying of, of these national minutes, these, these minutes within the programmer's inventory. So those, those were some of the major uh, points that came out from the media company side when surveyed. And I guess it's important to hear that feedback. I mean, uh, were either of you surprised or learned things from this survey that you, you didn't even expect to learn, maybe things you hadn't anticipated? I think for me, it was a bit mixed, right? I think we knew that some of these issues were out there and, and that they were creating some barriers. But I think um, when we when we heard uh, how firmly rooted some of these uh, issues and opinions around these issues um, are with with various constituencies, it's because it's the media buyers. But even when you talk to the to to the sellers like ourselves at Dish, or when you talk to the tech platforms that are um, you know putting together offerings to try to help solve this, the, these these issues they just rise to the top. And, and so it is, I think it's good that we now have this consolidated view in this survey that is really, really um, uh, sort of helping to set the roadmap in terms of what we, what we need to do to take this to the next level. So from that perspective, it's, it's, it's very helpful. So not entirely surprising, but this additional clarity, really, really important. Yeah, I agree. I would say I think it gave us an opportunity um, to better understand the buying community's POV and to validate the direction that we were all 
individually and collectively heading. And again, you know, it gives us it gives us that push. It gives us um, you know further uh, opportunity to to advocate for positive change and evolution. I mean, look as as partners, um, you know, we had representation for the study across. MVPDs, programmers, data companies, tech vendors, and we all tend to bring unique points of view. But to have an objective third party evaluate the current and future state of addressability really gives us the opportunity to further align on future state. But when you list out those partners, that's what I'm struck by because it really takes all these different pieces of the puzzle to make addressable work. And so I'm curious, because you both have been doing this for a while uh, at various companies in different capacities. How has that collaboration evolved over the years? You know, it's it's much less siloed now, right? Um, as Tim mentioned, you know, there was... There, there was a lot of fragmentation, and now with collaboration, um, with programmers getting into the mix... I think that the collaboration becomes deeper. It becomes more transparent. Um, I mean, we're now working side by side, whereas before we were sort of, you know, on opposite sides of the table. And I think just the level of collaboration that we've seen happen, even in the last five years, is tremendous. Um, You know, and I'm hopeful that that's going to continue so that we can just continue to drive progress together. It, does, it is. It's, it's, it's an enormous amount of effort across different lanes. Um, but the good news is, is at, you know, at every turn, there is a lot of engagement um, and just a, a, lot of, a, a lot of mutual, uh, a lot of mutual collaboration to move towards making progress and, and chipping away at all the things that we know we, we need to continue to, to work towards. Yeah, I would add, you know, I think distributors in particular have had a history of working together. Uh, Dish and DirecTV, we have uh, a very strong example in something we've been doing in the political space that we branded as D2, where a political agency can buy addressable from D2 that will end up uh, being transacted on DirecTV, on Dish, on Sling. So, so, you know, in, in some ways it's a was a preview of how, how this will work um, at larger scale uh, across you know more distributors and more inventory types. But the, 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 this sort of shift of now a programmer and a distributor working together on this, this is something new and this is something that's exciting and important because um, you know when Addressable was first starting, it was a unique advantage for a distributor, right? And it was something that I think in the beginning we would have we would have sort of said, hey, this is competitive uh, to what programmers um, you know, have in terms of overall uh, ability to sell into the advertising market, right? It was sort of a unique product for a distributor, especially a satellite company like Dish or DirecTV. But we are now, as we said earlier, realizing to sort of drive the scale and to take this to the next level. We have to do it in, in partnership with the programmers. Again, that point was made very, very clear in that, in that Forrester study. So, so this new dynamic of working together with the programmers, to me, um, is, is really, really uh, important. And, 
And uh, it is very good, as Seema said, to now be uh, not on different sides, but on the same side and, and working through all the challenges to, to pull this off. The other, you know, the other uh, part of this too, though, has been uh, the technology and the ad tech companies. And, and you know, we need them to also uh, come along and to uh, provide innovation, to pro, you know, fill gaps where they exist. Um, and that, you know, they need the capital to be able to do that. And so uh, we are seeing, um, I think, a number of ad tech companies who are stepping up. Um, we are seeing some of them who are well capitalized, which is important. And, um, you know, I think that, that that's going to um, play a big part in terms of also making this um, a, a much more robust offering in the marketplace. I'm talking with Seema Patel of Viacom CBS and Tim Myers of Dish Media about addressable TV. We'll be back in just a minute. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude partner in hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Welcome back to the Strictly Business Podcast. I'm talking with Seema Patel and Tim Myers about addressable television. Tim mentioned, Seema, the, the notion that the MVPDs aren't the only game in town in terms of, you know, where addressable happens. Your job is to get addressable avails going in as many places as, as possible. So... What is that like nowadays? What's the opportunity there or the challenges in, in, in getting that? It's the critical piece of all this, just getting as much inventory out there. Yeah. Um, so applying the power of data to our offerings allows clients to combine the scale of TV with the precision that's available today in digital media, uh, where targeting is more accurate, measurements deeper, media investments can be evaluated for their respective contributions to business goals. So really what we're doing is we're bringing all of that to TV. So the, the opportunity there is it's a much smarter value proposition for clients. It's also a way for brands to connect with their fragmented audiences. 
Um, you know, and that being said, from a Viacom CBS perspective, there's a tremendous amount of complexity involved in enabling and managing multiple endpoints of inventory. Uh, we currently have a 40 plus million household footprint across four major distributors, and we're very focused on working through the unification and streamlining of execution so we can get to a point where we can truly write once and publish everywhere. Um, and the goal here is to, to help further simplify buy sell side interactions, rendering that process as seamless as possible. So we want to continue to make it as easy as possible for our clients to engage with us. And so driving automation will continue to drive efficiency, which will ultimately help us to further scale the offerings. And, you know, Seema, earlier you talked about, you know, being in the middle of the upfront marketplace. Uh, you know, how are you feeling right now about where Addressable is going to stand uh, once we're done with uh, the upfront period? Uh, you know, speaking broadly, are you getting the sense as you speak to marketers this time around, hey, they, they, they get it in a way they maybe didn't a year or two ago? Yeah, I mean, the feedback that I'm getting so far is all really positive from our sales team. Um, and I think marketers see the value. I think they see that, the, you know, it, it's not even the future is data-driven. It's, it's we're, everyone has to be data-driven now. Um, and I think, you know, the last year with the pandemic, I think that further underscored the need for data-driven solutions um, in order to, you know, for brands to activate their campaigns in the most effective and efficient, meaningful way. Got it. Um, you know, one of the things that emerged from the Forrester survey, I think, was a sense on the media buyer side that those in leadership uh, positions at those organizations, you know, they didn't necessarily get addressable, uh, that, you know, it was going to take a process for them to sort of move from the traditional uh, do you think, looking at your own companies, that there's been a learning curve for everyone to understand the value of addressable, why it's worth investing and experimenting and spending time with it? I think there's always um, there's always an education and an evangel evangelization process. Um, but, but, you know, for the most part at Viacom CBS, it's been embraced and, you know, I, I think everyone has been extremely supportive and, and forward looking, uh, when it comes to addressability, I think everyone is, is on board and has made every effort to support our goal of really enabling as many addressable endpoints across our por portfolio as possible. And I, I don't want to speak for Seema, and, and Seema certainly, you know, jump in if what I'm saying um, is not is not accurate from your perspective. But I think observing, um, you know, a little bit from the outside in terms of of uh, how it's working with programmers and with media agencies, this technology allows for much better uh, yield optimization, which benefits not only the seller but but also brings more supply into the marketplace. So I think those are, you know, really Im important um, <clears throat> changes that have been taking place, right, with, with what's been happening with, uh, with ratings and, and sort of overall linear supply being very, very tight in the marketplace. Uh, from, the, from the dish perspective, 
you know, as I mentioned earlier, this this was a unique capability we could bring to market. So we've been very, very bullish on addressable and continue to be very bullish on addressable. So um, it, it was not something we had to to really sell into uh, our company because because again we knew that you know we had some some really important assets to bring to the table in terms of making addressable happen at scale. I wanted to dig a little deeper into something we just touched on earlier: uh, the subject of measurement. Uh, it, it felt in reading the Forrester survey, working towards a single measurement standard was identified as a big priority. So what progress is there uh, that you know can be pointed to for those who are skeptics, maybe those in the media buying community who are still trying to get it, in terms of how things stand with addressable and, and getting towards a single measurement standard? I, I can start. You know, I think that that measurement's an interesting topic uh, when we are talking about addressable because the traditional measurement in television has been the Nielsen uh, ratings-based measurement, and it's in many ways that has held back the ability to do addressable because if you if you start to uh, take impressions out of a Nielsen-rated spot the Nielsen will no longer validate the rating on that spot. And, and therefore, that has been perceived in the past to be less valuable. There is now a, a, a significant um, a set of initiatives underway in the industry to resolve that. Nielsen has really embraced this and, and has announced that they will have solutions for this. There, there are also other companies like Comscore who have uh, been at this for a while and you know have a very good understanding of how impression-based measurement works on TV in addition to how it you know works in the digital environments. So I, I think those those two things alone uh, really really uh, give us a good view of the path forward. Um, but there's also you know increasing efforts to bring even more uh, competition and innovation into the measurement space. And, you know, the industry is working in a collaborative fashion to help influence that and to help um, provide requirements and, and even uh, work through ways that uh, these um, newer measurement companies can have access to capital, et cetera. So um, I, it, it continues to it continues to be something where I think we'll we'll see major announcements coming forward, but we are on the right path. Yeah, I would agree. I would I would just add to that that I think, you know, we're as the evolution continues, I, I think the the interoperability of all of these data sets will will be key. Um, I, I think we're seeing, as Tim mentioned, I think we're seeing a lot of great progress. With a lot of these data companies, and you know, hopefully, we just keep keep chipping away at that. I'd love to hear from you guys in terms of what you see in the coming years in terms of milestones or benchmarks that you guys have your eyes on in terms of moving addressable forward. Are there are there particular goals or ambitions you guys have in front of you that uh, we need to keep an eye on in the coming year or so? I think I'd say, you know, 
extension from, from our perspective, extension of our footprint. So just continuing to grow our footprint, um, you know, beyond uh, insertion on cable, extending it to broad, to broadcast um, and, you know, in, including insertion and smart and the smart TV footprint, just extending out to as many endpoints as possible. Um, and, you know, our ultimate goal is to give our clients a rich, comprehensive set of addressable options that allows them to reach the right viewer, regardless of endpoint. Um, and in parallel, while driving standards across the industry for addressable to keep growing, and that, you know, that includes automation, as I mentioned, just automating as many aspects of the campaign lifecycle as, you know, as possible, so that we make our uh, MVPD integrations more seamless and thereby have a set of capabilities to, you know, for our clients that are as seamless and easy as possible. Well said. And I would, I would add that, um, you know, right now there's a uh, sort of a bifurcation uh, of what is now called CTV, which is, um, you know, executed in the digital space. It's things like Sling and uh, Paramount Plus and, you know, other sort of streaming type video products uh, that are, you know, delivered on smart TVs or on fire sticks or whatever the case may be. And, and that, for whatever reason, right, it's, it's sort of its own thing, CTV. And then we have addressable or linear addressable, as we sometimes call it. Those are going to converge and be, just become one, right? They're, that's an artificial distinction. And that, that distinction will go away. Uh, so that that will be an, an, an important milestone when when that happens, and um, I do think that that you know is on the horizon. The other thing that will be important is when um, really you know just more of the of the programmer's inventory is made available for addressable. It's it's still a subset, and it will probably be a subset for a bit of time, but. Um, as it gains traction and as these systems become more mature, uh, as it becomes easier for programmers like Viacom to uh, execute this and to, and to move between a linear and an addressable execution, um, that, will, that will drive more of that inventory in, into the marketplace. Yeah. Think, go ahead. No, I was just going to, I was going to underscore that by saying that really goes back to our earlier conversation around measurement and interoperability, right? Like being able to, right now, to Tim's point, we're, we're only lighting up a certain amount of inventory, but as systems and measurement and capabilities become more um, sophisticated, we'll be able to toggle and, you know, enable inventory as we see fit based on, on demand in the marketplace. So it'll become a much more dynamic uh, environment. Got it. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and then the, just the third point I was going to make was just platforms and systems that will allow ease of execution for agencies, whether they're executing uh, with, a, with a programmer or with a distributor that they can mix and match, again, whether it has CTV components mixed in, um, and, and being to uh, seamlessly uh, pull that off to uh, have the data work across all those different execution points and to have the reporting be consistent and, and to be able to do attribution and 
and measure uh, your KPIs, et cetera. So, uh, so those are the three that I would call out. And, and I do see all of those uh, on the horizon, which is great news. Thank you both, uh, Tim, Seema, for this great tour of the addressable TV landscape. It's going to be an interesting part of the industry to watch. Uh, This has also been a great kickoff episode of our Making Addressable Accessible series. We'll do more on that later this summer. Uh, Thanks again for both your time. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.